I mean, if you are not a Celtics fan, if you are just a casual fan, I find it hard to believe, Friedel, that you wouldn't watch the Heat play and say, I like that. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Quick, quick, Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Their defense is atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love no plan here. Oh, man. I'm sorry. It's just hit me right now. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? All right. Welcome back. This is Swish FM. Chris Mundelkin and Ben Craw. Ben, it has been a little while. I feel like since we've uh, we've we've chopped it up on the airwaves here, uh, hey, it feels like it's been yeah. It feels like it's been ages. It's yeah. Uh, well, I guess I guess our last episode was that sort of drunken um, catharsis in the middle of the. It was literally at two a.m. in the middle of the Republican right. National. Was it the RNC or the DNC? Yeah, it was, uh, we were smack dab in the middle of the Republican National Convention. Mm. I think it was a Tuesday night, um, maybe a Wednesday, and it was two o'clock in the morning. Um, we decided to get drunk and watch game seven of the uh, 1994 NBA Finals as the, uh, you know, triumphant culmination of our uh, our several months long project um and uh yeah i apologize to uh to everyone uh for that episode um and uh i mean i sort of think it was are you okay there yeah i'm just like (laughs) choking (laughs) on my seltzer here remembering um yeah yeah that eventful night yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, no, it was a great time. I think it was like really the most fitting, appropriate way we could have ended things uh, yeah. with our beloved '94 New York Knicks. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is a strange new feeling for us, Chris. We don't we have a podcast still, yeah. um, but we don't really have a mission any longer. We have sort of set out, um, uh, and and we have you know we, we it's like we had. A, we were on a journey, and we completed our journey. Um, our work feels done. It feels yeah. complete. Uh, well, like our, 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 our mission statement was to exercise the demons of the 1994 New York Knicks, to forgive John right. Starks, and we did that. Um, yeah. So now we can sort of move on to the next phase, the next chapter of our, you know, purpose, our, our, our you know, which is to sort of personally heal um, right to sort of you know uh, examine our our skeletons and to forgive one another and to sort of improve and to live a healthier life and move yeah. forward here in 2020. Exactly, um, but it's it's you know it's odd because I don't I don't really feel like I feel pretty much perfect now. I think after wow. finishing our our next project, I I think that's really all I had to 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 work out. You know, I sort of feel like right. other than that, I'm. I'm 100% over here. Um, so it's sort of open season now. It's just kind yeah, exactly. Of like, what like now, I, now that I'm healed, I no longer mm-hmm. have uh, any sort of gaping wounds or scars. What am I looking to consume to help improve my life? 
Right. Um, We're living in the end of history, so we can kind of I mean, one of those do things, whatever we want. One of those things you could consume is basketball, but you could also consume other things that could improve your life. So, you mm-hmm. know, so, so sometimes it will be a basketball-related podcast episode. Other times it might be a, a, a book-related episode or a uh, politics-related episode or a... Uh, you know, movie-related episode. Um, of course, we've been revisiting the canon of Ben Affleck on our podcast. So, of course, there's 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 tons tons of Affleck films to revisit and talk about. Um, <laughs> but today, Ben, we uh, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about the past week and our experience with uh, Richard Lewis and Boku Fruit right. Juice. Yeah. Yeah. So this is yeah. Um let's see if I can finesse this segue. So once once we've we've exercised our demons and we have completed our therapy and we have become whole human beings again, um with no further, you know, anxieties, neuroses, pathologies to cure, um we can then you know we're we're then free to pursue other pleasures, other activities, other hobbies, even in some cases other careers. Chris mm. and I would say, uh, and this is not really much of an overstatement. Um, you have quite literally begun a new career. Um, at, you know, at the age of of thirty something, you mm-hmm. have uh, really started uh, a new uh, down a a path. Um, I, I think it's it's uh, it's accurate to say, Chris, that you are now a journalist. You are a wow. reporter. You are a member of the press, the media. They call it um, mm-hmm. the the fourth estate, the uh, the last bulwark of democracy. You you uh, carry on this proud American tradition um, with a fedora and a little note card uh, in in your in your hat that says press on it. Um, so why don't we tell our listeners a little bit about your transformation, your sure. new beginning, your sure. new awakening, um, and, uh, yeah, tell us how it feels, first of all, to be a member of the media. Sure. Well, let me say for starters, Ben, as someone, uh, you know, that's been entrenched in the news media for the last, however, 10, 15 years, whatever it's been for you, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, Thank you for having me. It's great to welcome. be here. Yes, welcome. I, as I, I, you know, as as our listeners may know, I am also a a member of the press. So now I can right. call you a fellow, a fellow member, a colleague, a fellow journalist, a peer, um, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great to be here. It's been a wild, sort of unexpected um, journey uh, and process to get here, but here we are. And you know, it's it's basically thanks in part to. Um, Swish FM. I mean, is 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 really how this whole story uh, kind of happened. It's it's in part thank you to Swish FM, thank you to Brendan Shields, thank you to the Mauser Street apartment in Brooklyn where um, shout out Mauser Street. Yeah, where uh, so much of of what transpired in the last few weeks with the Richard Lewis story that I, I uh, that I worked on for New York Magazine and Vulture, where that sort of like originated was at Mauder Street. But um, yeah, basically, uh, if anyone listening isn't familiar, um, of course, Ben and I recorded a podcast episode. I think it's episode 127 in the Swish FM catalog 
uh, it, it was our actually it was our uh, our first episode as Swish FM after we trans- That's right. after we changed the name from uh, to Swish FM. We drafted our favorite. I think you're gonna have to uh, bleep that out, Chris. I don't think we're uh, legally allowed to, <clears throat> to say that name. Uh, yes. o- OTL Inc. Our our parent corporation is gonna Erase come down that. pretty hard, so we'll ha- we'll have to yeah. bleep that. Sorry, no sorry. problem, no problem. Yeah, but yeah, Just our reminding. first our first episode with Swish FM was a draft of Boku fruit juice commercials. Uh, of course, this is a campaign of commercials that Richard Lewis starred in uh, during the early '90s. And they were just the most fun, magical, incredible commercials that we uh, that we ever stumbled upon. And um, I honestly think it's our best episode uh, yeah. of the entire podcast. I don't um, think there's really much doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, and there's yeah. been a lot of good ones. Uh, the I mean, that's saying a lot. The Sponus we, Deep a, Dive is, that, is up there. The Facial Hair Draft is up there. We've produced some incredible, incredible content. If anyone has, you know, any, any dispute. Um, over over the the number one, but it, for my money, it's 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 Boku by a mile. Yeah, so it was a really fun episode that we did, and um, it was just such a delight to work on that episode. And in talking to my girlfriend about this uh, particular episode, she was like, "That is incredibly weird and incredibly strange <laughs> and amazing." And yep. shout out, um, shout out Kelly. The wonderful, the brilliant Kelly Conaboy, who, who is a writer herself. Who is a writer. Who is a writer. Yes. Uh, and she suggested to me, uh, who at this time was not a member yet of the media and who was not yet a journalist, she said Mm-mm. to me, um, hey, you know, would you ever consider pitching uh, a story to a place like Vulture or some sort of online media shop where you do something like an oral history of these of these commercials because they're really strange and they're, there's like a very niche audience and the internet might get a kick out of it. And uh, I, of course, said like, no, I guess I never really thought of that. That never really like crossed my mind or anything. But yeah, it sounds like a fun thing. What else are we doing in quarantine? And it might be a nice opportunity for the podcast and get some visibility for the podcast and whatever. Right. So you had nothing I, else going on. There was no yeah. basketball to watch. So no basketball you know. to watch at this point in our lives. No. So um, I reached out to some editors at Vulture. They immediately got back to me, and they said we really like this idea, um, but we don't want you to do an oral history. We actually would want you to write a feature. Um, at this point, I said to my girlfriend, like... For people not in the, the media, uh, a feature is uh, journalist lingo for an article. We, yes. should, we should just uh, note, note that to, to people for, for the laymen in our, in our audience, laymen and laywomen. Um, a, a feature is, uh, you know, kind of slang, kind of lingo in the industry, um, so which said, means uh, uh, an article. <laughs> I said to my girlfriend at this point, I think they think that I'm... A journalist and a writer, like I think there's been some sort of misunderstanding here. About yeah, there's my been background. a mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but she was like, just just go with it. Like just just tell them that uh, that that you're good with it and you're gonna write a feature. And Kelly was like, you know, I I can try to give you some advice and help you out. And uh, basically, what I said to the the people at Vulture was like. I feel like we might have a story here. If we could ever get Richard Lewis on the phone to talk about this, then maybe there would be a feature here. And they were like, yeah, we agree. Yeah, good luck. Good luck getting a hold of him. If it ever happens, right. kind of let us know. 
Yeah. And so I was like, really, okay. there's there's no there's no story without Richard, but yeah. if we can get him, and it was, which is you know one in a million shot, that kind of became my approach about this whole thing, which is like no harm, no foul. Like, um, if Richard would ever want to talk to us, that would be really fun and funny. But I'm not going to like stress about it because in all right. likelihood, he'll never want to talk to us and I'll never have to write anything and that'll just be great. And it was yeah. a fun email exchange with these editors. It would be so much easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So lo and behold, I reach out to his publicist and... So wait now, I'm, we're, this, the rest of this podcast is just going to be uh, me interviewing you, really. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I, I know, obviously, as someone who is you know, pretty intimately involved with this process, I know a lot of the story, but I have a lot of questions. Okay. My first question, and I'm just going to kind of fire them away you know, as we go here. Uh, my first question, though, Chris, is how did you get in touch with Richard's publicist? How did you, like, even, what's your first step there? So my my first step there is creating a trial membership with IMDb Pro, um, Uh, which which lists Richard. That is a a veteran savvy journalist move right there. That is the move of a journalist, you know, five, ten years into his career. So It's it's also the move that an actor would know, right? So Uh, I know, like... When someone is trying to reach out to me about auditions or booking me on something, they reach out to my manager. The way they find mm-hmm. out who my manager is, is they look at my IMDb page. Mm-hmm. So now I was suddenly on the other side of the table where I was like, okay, so if I was someone trying to contact Richard Lewis, how would I do that? And right. I wasn't trying to contact him about an acting job. So like I wouldn't contact Gersh, for instance, his like agents for for film and tv jobs i was Mm. contacting him more about publicity so i was like this seems like the sort of thing that you would direct to a publicist like a pr person Mm. yeah that makes um, sense so i they his contact information was right there the publicist's contact information was right there with his email address and everything and i was like let me just google around to see if this is definitely his publicist so i put his name into google with Richard Lewis's name, and it seemed like there was enough, um, enough like uh, hits and return results. Are you hearing the siren on my street? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, there were enough like return, uh, like Google search results where it was like, okay, that's Richard's publicist. So I emailed him. That's called uh, that's called uh, confirming, confirming yes. a uh, uh, yes. yeah in, in 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 media lingo. Yeah. yeah. So I, I reached out to Richard's publicist and I said, hey. Um, I'm going to be writing this piece <laughs> uh, for Vulture on Boku Fruit Juice and Richard Lewis, and I was curious if Richard would be interested in talking to me about the piece. And so the publicist got back to me and was like, sure, I will reach out to him. I'll pass the message along. And that already to me, kind of like hearing back from the editor at Vulture, felt like a major victory where I was like, honestly... Yeah. If that's all this ever is, then it's it's such a win. You know what I mean? For the rest of your life at a cocktail party, you can say, one time I emailed with Richard Lewis's publicist yes. um, about something. Yes. Crazy, yes. crazy story. Just just that alone. When that message came in, <laughs> I nearly dropped my phone. I showed it to my girlfriend. She's like, cool. Yeah, like, I guess we'll find out if he wants to talk to you. And mm. the next day... So much, so much cooler and more collected than you. Kelly. Yes, yes, yes. And the next day, um, I heard back from him, and he's like, yep, Richard wants to talk. Uh, and then he <laughs> said, um, can you call me? 
the publicist was like, can you call me? I need to talk to you. So I was like, okay. oh God, okay, <laughs> sure. This is going to be really bad. Basically, I think he's going to find out that I'm not a journalist. Yeah. Um, He'll be like, so what are your credentials? What are exactly. some of the other pieces you've written? Where can I find your work online? He's going to be like, I Googled around for you and I just yeah. found some like theater credits and some TV credits. I think credits, you gave me like a fake name. Yeah. Like, he was like, maybe yeah. I missed your byline somewhere. So I called him and he was so nice. He was such like a friendly guy. And he was wow. like, hey, um, just to let you know, um, Richard is coming off back surgery and he's headed mm. into shoulder surgery. Uh, so I just want to let you know, he's in like quite a bit of pain right now, basically. And he's not his like usual jovial, happy Richard Lewis self that you know from like TV and, and, and like. <laughs> right, of course. The extremely friendly, happy, positive <laughs> yes. Richard Lewis that we all know from TV. From Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. W- one of the warmest, kindest, uh, sure. you know, just m- most outgoing so people. He was like, just FYI, he's not in a great mood these days. Just bear <laughs> that in mind. I was like, no problem. I will keep it really, really like short and sweet with him on the phone. Five minutes. Uh, yeah. I'll have like very basic boiler point sort of questions um, and that'll be, it'll be really simple for him. And so uh, he was like, great. So would like, uh, he's like, Richard's going to want to talk to you on Friday, like first thing in the morning. Like he usually wakes up around eight and then he'll just call you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so at this point I talked to you and I was like, I need to have you part of this process. This is like our baby at this point. Um, it's also funny to me that like, I think when we, and I'm just going to kind of give you my side of the story here. When we, f- when we first decided like, cause I think you were, you were definitely the one that like told me like, Oh, Hey, Kelly had this idea of doing an oral history. And I was like, whoa, that sounds, uh, you know, like completely fantastical and, and, and uh, sort of unrealistic and crazy, but maybe fun, but kind of terrifying. Um, and in my head, I was kind of like, maybe we would do it together and I would like kind of help um, do some of the work. But then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of like stand back because I'm a little, I, I honestly kind of shrunk from, from the moment. Um, and I, and I like didn't really know like what to do and i mean you know i was also busy with my my day job and all that but but mostly i was just like i don't even know where i would begin with with this um so i just sort of like went very hands-off about it and just kind of like figured i would let you figure it out or like see what would happen um and so at like at, at a certain point i was like maybe i just won't i won't be involved at all i'll just let chris like run with this um it sort of seems like it's his, you know, like, you know, his, his, his passion project now. Um, but of course, when you came to me and said, Hey, do you want to talk on the phone with Richard Lewis? <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to actually, you know, yes. rise, rise to the yeah. occasion for that one. Yeah. Um, which is really not, not my style. Uh, I am extremely risk and discomfort averse, as an individual, I, sure. uh, I, I, I don't like anything out of the ordinary. Um, so, uh, so it was, you know, it was, it was, but I, but knowing you and, and knowing that you sort of, 
you were asking me, but you were also sort of telling me that you needed me. Um, yes. Yeah. To be clear, and, I very much needed you. Like, uh, I was such a fish out of water at this point, which I think, you know, as, as we'll talk about, like actually became an asset throughout the process. Yeah. Like having no experience was actually my greatest asset in the process because Sam Cassell in the 94 finals, baby. Yeah. I just didn't know certain things were stupid questions. I didn't know like it and it, uh, everything was just sort of forgiven because it was like, well, he's never done this. So, um, yeah, yeah. you know, he's just going to ask that and he's just going to approach it like <laughs> this, not understanding that like he should be more nervous about this or whatever. Right, but, um, right. but yeah, man. So we got on the phone together um, about 20 minutes before Richard Lewis called us from a blocked number. And I remember being so goddamn like tense and nervous. And, um, and then just also feeling at a certain point, like whatever Ben is here. Uh, (laughs) he's super relaxed. And again, the same sort of pros like ethos or whatever, just like, I mean, if it's a terrible interview, if it's a total disaster, no harm, no foul. It'll be a funny story. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like anyone is expecting anything from us. Like, we don't have to tell anyone that we interviewed Richard. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if it's a disaster, then I just won't write a piece. Like, and it's not like we owe anyone anything. Um, So we get on the phone and Richard Lewis calls us 20 minutes later and I merge all the calls. And like, just what is your memory of that whole process? Um, I remember, you know, we, I think we both shared this mentality of being like, all right, let's just like have the lowest possible expectations. Yes. This is a, you know, 70 something mid 70 year old man, um, uh, who is, you know, on his best days, like known for his crotchetiness. Um, and, uh, he's a celebrity. So like already you're just not dealing with like a normal human being. Right. Um, he's just had back surgery. (laughs) So, Um, and we're asking him about some random fucking commercials that he was in almost what 30, yeah, 30 years ago, yeah. uh, which he like probably barely remembers. Um, so like, there's a solid chance. Like he's just going to be like, yes. I, I don't know guys, like wh- whatever I've got five, I got five minutes and then I got to go. And so I had, I had zero, zero expectations. Um, and not like going out of my way to try to suppress my expectations. I was just like, honestly, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I don't, yeah, I wasn't like, I didn't have to try hard to like not have high hopes. Um, but those hopes, those those very, very low hopes were immediately, immediately exploded dashed. within yeah. the first seconds that Richard came on the phone with us because you merged the call. Yeah, he, so he called, he, like, basically he called your number first, so you, like, hopped off um, and then merged the calls, um, and then it was like, hello, hello, is everyone here? And then I was like, yep, hi, Ben's here. And then the first words I heard were... This is Richard Boku Lewis. And I was just like, okay, okay. Like, it's going to be like guy, that. <laughs> this guy wants to fuck around. Like, this guy yeah. really <laughs> wants to fuck around. And immediately it was like, oh my God, he's, he's fucking like into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like a shocking, it was a shocking moment. I'll honestly like never forget just like that first second of realization. Like, yeah. oh, Richard is like, down to clown with us. Yes. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah, yeah. And it just, I would say like our 20, 25 minutes that we talked to him was basically, that was kind of the backbone of the experience was that like he told his publicist, 
basically like, I don't want to talk to anyone for the next six months to a year while I'm recovering from surgery. Besides, there's nothing happening because of COVID. Like, there's no reason I should be talking to anyone. I just leave me alone. And when I heard someone wanted to do a thing about Boku, he rewatched the commercials the night yeah. before we he told talked us, to him. He, he told us that he sat on YouTube and watched all seven commercials. And I was like, oh, my God, that that's what we did. <laughs> like, we're just, he's just like us. Basically, <laughs> yeah, he's doing the same thing that we were doing at Mauser Street, which is yeah, just... He just Went down a YouTube. Richard Lewis Boku rabbit hole on YouTube, except yeah. that it was the star of the commercials watching them. Uh, very surreal. Very still don't really totally trust that it yep. that it did in fact happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, we we chatted with him for twenty minutes, and he was like, couldn't have been more like generous with his time, friendly, funny, like affable. Was like telling jokes, just like saying like funny, like just doing like like Richard Lewis stuff. Um, and I think he was legit, like I I remember coming away with the impression like oh I think we like just kind of like made his day like I think he really <laughs> I think he really really didn't expect and really genuinely enjoyed uh, like talking to a couple of idiots about his thirty year old Boku commercials. <laughs> um, I mean, in one sense, I get it. You know what I mean? Like in one sense, yeah. I guess if I was incredibly famous. And I made these super obscure commercials 30 years ago and like two idiots back in New York, like wanted to write an article about it online. I would be like, one, you're idiots. Two, sure, I am happy to talk to you about it and like trip down memory lane. But on the other yeah. hand, I'm like, yeah, but the other way of seeing is that like he's in pain he's just over it like there's nothing like he gets nothing out of it it's not like we're paying him you know what i mean right it's it's not like an acting job that we're paying him for so um yeah i was totally surprised i mean literally shocked at how affable and just genuinely sweet he was and i will say like um obviously like there's no peace without richard lewis being involved um but so after we talked you know, I just had so many more questions and there were questions that Richard Lewis can't, couldn't answer. And so Mm -hmm, I started reaching mm -hmm. out to all these other people and I, and we'll talk about that in a second, but like in retrospect, when I think about all the people involved in the piece and the process, without a doubt, the easiest person to reach out and find and talk with was Richard Lewis. (laughs) Like well, an, there you go. an incredibly famous comedian, like in his seventies, living in the Hollywood Hills, um, was without a doubt like the easiest person to track down, the person that was most excited to talk, and um, <laughs> the most like cooperative, and honestly like the most sweet. And um, that is just like my main takeaway from the whole process was was, was just overwhelmingly like how gracious and kind he was um yeah but yes yeah, so like i i left that interview basically with more questions than answers and that right. kind of became the genesis for the piece that i wrote which was like well how exactly did this happen like yes richard lewis was the star of these commercials but like how did this product happen like how did someone come up with a juice the idea of a juice for adults and who decided like we should use you know super hot comedian richard lewis as our pitch man yeah so 
I basically spent, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks, literally in a, in like a Google like rabbit hole of oh, just yeah. tracking. You had the bull. You had the bulletin board with the uh, with the string and yes. the uh, and the thumbtacks uh, in yes. your basement for three solid weeks, sleeping an hour, two hours a night. Yes. Um, at best. Yes, yeah. I had one note card that said Apple Peach. I had a string attached to that that led to a marketing <laughs> executive named Brett Jenkin. Um, yep. There was yeah, some so, office in Chicago with the VHS tape that you, yeah. Tr- um, yes. So, yes. yeah, there were, there were, it was, I mean, it was your Watergate. It, it really was. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, so I just found myself basically in a full-on adult fruit juice deep dive. Um, a full-on, <laughs> like, investigative report about Boku fruit juice. Yeah, and up to your nostrils in Boku. Up to my goddamn nostrils in Boku, and um, yeah, man, it was amazing. I mean, it was it was really fun tracking down old people. I I, I had co- a few people say to me, "How did you find me?" <laughs> um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, there were definitely, and I understand there were definitely a few marketing people that were <laughs> like, um, "How did you find this number? <laughs> um, <laughs> how did you like?" You know, I had a couple people that wouldn't talk to me because they were uncertain if I was like writing like a Boku hit piece. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Is that true? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk briefly? You know, obviously keeping their names anonymous, but wh- who the fuck is like afraid to talk to you about bo- about some thirty year old commercials that are on YouTube? I can't. I can't name names. Um, but there were definitely, yeah, yeah. There were definitely people who were like involved in the process who I was told through my sources, Hey, I spoke to so-and-so about speaking to you and they're just not comfortable with it. They're not really sure what your intentions are kind of thing. And I, wow. I sort of had to explain. I was like, "Look, this piece that I'm writing is effectively." My intentions like, are to write a dumb culture I, article for. I was like, New York "I'm magazine. literally like, writing effectively like a Valentine to Richard Lewis and Boku Fruit Juice, <laughs> which I consider to be like completely innovative, like a groundbreaking, trailblazing fruit juice from the early '90s." But obviously, if anyone's uncomfortable about talking to me, that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it was uh, it was amazing. I mean, I have to say the people who I spoke with who went on the record um, were all really wonderful. And but it, it, I had to definitely like explain to them that my intentions are pure. Like this is not this is not about this is not like a gotcha piece or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> this is not a hard-hitting expose of Boku adult fruit juice boxes. I mean, there were a couple of third rail issues. Um, <laughs> there were definitely like I'm I'm not joking about that. There were a couple of third issues, third rail issues where people were like, you know, such and such happened. You can Google it. Like I'm not getting mm. into the details of. X, Y, and Z. If you want to know the details of that, you Google it. And I was like, gotcha. I see you. Wow. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> I didn't hear it from you kind of thing. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
but um, yeah, man, it was. Wild. I mean, can we and, talk? Can we talk a little bit about some of the some of the tidbits that didn't make it into the uh, the final piece? Oh sure. I mean, I I think one of the you know like one of, some of the one of the most fascinating things that I took away from my research was just the idea that like Boku was made by this company McCain Citrus which was a subs- or subsidiary was whatever subsidiary word, yeah subsidiary yeah of of McCain Foods McCain mm. Foods is a Canadian company so this essentially this Canadian company that created like frozen pizzas and and frozen french fries was trying to like break into the juice box space and right. um you and know, not the not the Canadian juice box space, the American juice box space. The American so they juice were trying they space. were they were invading from across the border. Yes. And I will say that like they didn't really understand the American like pop culture they didn't really understand American pop culture super well. So like they sort of <laughs> handed all of that stuff over to uh, Noble and Associates, which was the right. marketing and ad agency working with McCain Citrus on this product. Mm-hmm. So right. they just knew they wanted something innovative and something different. I mean, the juice box space was obviously all like kid based. So mm. high C and Mott's and Minute Maid and all these drinks were marketed specifically for elementary aged kids. Right. And the Kool-Aid man breaking through a wall. Yeah. So they wanted to create a product that could basically be for more sophisticated children and like sophisticated <laughs> like teens and young adults. Yeah, um, like twelve, like twelve-year-olds that like read the Wall Street Journal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I, I think like one of the more interesting tidbits from my research process was just understanding that like fundamentally the people making the drink were from a Canadian company, and they and they really handed the reins to the advertising agency, and they were like, "Help us make a drink that's going to seem totally." different from from high c and when they thought of a disruptive spokesperson they were like what if we went with a comedian and when they went with a comedian they decided richard lewis would be you know the most disruptive person that they could find and i have to agree like he was a very disruptive you know person Um, yeah different than the rest yeah uh i'm actually looking up the uh I want to read some of the lines from this piece that, that stood out. Yeah, the, the quote here that you have is, we felt we had to be a little disruptive. As the new player in town, you're going out and competing with Ocean Spray and Welsh's and all these other well-known brands. We had to be a little bit irreverent. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I, I love that the, um, yeah, this, this next quote is fantastic. Because we were looking for that irreverent approach, we thought of a comedian, somebody that's a little bit outlandish, a little bit different, has some crazy ideas, doesn't dress like everyone else. Um, and then there's another quote in here about how, uh, yeah, what was the, uh, there was another line about like what like his clothes. Yeah, they, they were really into the idea that Richard wore black. Um, yeah. That he was like this like alt- like punk rock personality and like that's really what they wanted to be they wanted to be like a punk rock fruit juice um yeah yeah and they felt richard was the embodiment of like punk rock culture 
I mean, he was very punk rock in, in 1991. Yeah. There's no question about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they that, that that's what they said to me. They were like, you have, to, you have to understand, in 1991, like, Richard Lewis was, like, pretty edgy. Um, I believe yeah. it was a direct quote from one of the executives. They're like, he was a very edgy personality. Like, his comedy, his, like, stand-up routine was, like, you know, so he, it was like what Chris Rock was or like someone really like pushing, you know, like the, the, the margins and the edges, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Bill Hicks. Yeah. yeah. Someone like that. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, honestly, I, I, I go back to this thing like every few days. It's just such a, yeah. For anyone that, that hasn't read it, the title is, uh, headline is Richard Lewis revisits his trippy Boku fruit juice commercials. Um, yeah, it's on vulture.com. Published uh, what about a week ago now? September. Yeah, yeah. yeah Actually, this is the one week anniversary. September tenth. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. As of the time uh, of this recording, at least. Yeah, man. So, yeah, it's a it's a massive achievement, a towering accomplishment. Uh, nice, man. The the journalism, the writing. I mean, you tied it uh, back to like our, our New York Knicks uh, yeah. saga. Um, of course, you know Richard has has the uh, the, 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 the close roots. connection to the Knicks, yeah. um, which anyone who's been listening to our show knows um you know how he was showing up at at games in 94 um dude it's interesting like i i feel like uh there there were like different phases or chapters of this experience and like you were really involved with like phase one and or two you know what i mean like if phase one was like looking at the commercials and doing the podcast and phase two is like connecting with richard Phase three, four, five, six, seven. Like after that, after starting you, ex- yeah, after that's you when I exited, stepped away. Yeah, after you exited the process, there was kind of a moment where I was like, I just need to, I need, I need everyone to clear out. Like I, I basically <laughs> just like need to like pound the rock at the top of the key a little bit, and. <laughs> And just like have all the information, just like lay out all the information before me, right? And See just the whole court, and just make some choices. And honestly, yeah. the hardest part was, you know, there was every day I would get new information and f- hear new things, and t- to not, I knew that I just had to like deliver the piece to you in its full form and. It was it was the only way that I could ever really like have sort of like just a coherent kind of process. But the the three or four weeks that I spent researching and 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 developing the piece like was totally insane. I mean, my my <laughs> girlfriend deserves like a medal of honor. Like the things that she saw me go through, like <laughs> like. <laughs> The late nights, I mean, waking up like every day at five o'clock in the morning and just staring yeah. at my computer screen. Just I mean, pacing like, around your apartment naked, trashing, trashing my apartment, literally just yeah. throwing everything on the ground. Yeah. Um, Tipping your refrigerator over. Just, select yes. all, delete everything, rewrite it again. It's not good enough. Try better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was just, you know, the cups of coffee. It was, it was not. It was it, it was taxing. It, I mean, it was it was it was very very taxing, um, because the juices, you know, they meant so much to me, and the commercials <laughs> meant so much to me, and like 
all the people involved, like it, at a certain point, it became much bigger than obviously me. Like I, I had to honor you. I had to honor Brendan. I had to honor Richard. I had to yeah. honor the, all this pressure, all this weight of, yeah, of, the peop- of everything that it represented to you. And then you start, you know, what happens is like, as you know, like there are little leaks where now I'm hearing from different writers at, at Vulture and New York Magazine, like, we're so excited. We heard there's a Richard piece, like, coming, you know, so it was like... Oh, boy, oh expectations man, like, were building. Yeah, I really yeah. got a delivery. Like, I really got pressure a... Pressure was mounting. Yeah, 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 pressure was mounting. And, like, you know, there was a moment, I remember, I think on, like, Sunday or Monday, the piece came out on a Thursday, and I remember on, like, a Sunday or Monday, at a certain point, my editor was like, so yeah, I think this is, I think this is pretty good. Like, I think we're like good to publish. And I was like, no, we are not. Mm-mm. Like, <laughs> I was like, this thing goes back. We are backloading yeah. the truck, like back it up. No one's going anywhere. <laughs> I, I was like, send everyone back to the office. There's more research to be done. Um, well, you know, when you're an established Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, you know, with a, a 40 year career behind you, like you are, you know, you can kind of call the shots like that, Chris. Like right. that's that's one of the benefits of of being, you know, an elder statesman, you know, a Bob Woodward type. Like you really have you kind of have the power over the editor um, <laughs> and frankly, the entire magazine where you can just say, you know, I listen, I don't work on deadlines. Uh, I don't I don't have people, you know, give me any notes like I this is my show. I'm the star here. It's so embar- uh, it's so embarrassing because I didn't <laughs> know any of that stuff. Like you're saying that comically, but I did not know that that was not like I was just an idiot. You know what I mean? I didn't understand that, like, it wasn't my show, but like. <laughs> thankfully they allowed it to be my show they were kind of like it's his this is his baby and like if he needs an extra day he needs an extra day um yeah. so what happened was like they were ready to publish by sunday or monday and i was like no i need i need more time i i i, I need more clarity basically i need i need more <laughs> clarity so i went back to to my sources <laughs> My vision quest is not complete. It might look complete to you, but it is not complete in my soul. Yes, and I just there were holes, man. Like there were like I needed more answers. Like there mm-hmm. there I just I needed more clarity. And so I went yep. back to my sources. If and, you don't tie up those loose ends, they'll tie you up. Yeah, I you know, I had an ending to the piece that was fine. Uh and good i mean like my editor saw it in the first draft and she was like yeah this is good and i was like it's 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 fine but it's not yeah no there's zero risk there's zero risk involved i mean like Mm. there's nothing there's nothing there's no there's nothing being wagered there's nothing right you're not revealing anything you're not you're not putting anything out there really personal insight here yeah um so I went back to my sources cause I needed some more information and <laughs> they gave me this nugget about, um, the end of Boku mm-hmm. and cause there, there were some like, like I said, I just needed like some, some clarity on like, so what exactly happened to the drink after Richard left? Like how did, how does the story of Boku fruit juice, how does that end? Mm-hmm. And they basically told me like, you know, after Richard left, we sort of pivoted and kind of focused on more kid friendly drinks and we actually uh, we had a drink that we test marketed, 
called Zippin, and Scotty Pippin was the spokesperson. Zippin with Pippin. Unbelievable. And did they? Do you know? Did you ever ask? Did they come up with that name just because they had Pippin like involved? I, they were like, we have to make the name rhyme with Scotty Pippin. Yeah, I think that was the idea. Um, oh my god! <laughs> and uh, it never launched. It just test marketed and. And that was kind of like the end of the Boku story, basically. Mm. Uh, after that, McCain was sold to like a beverage distributor and they kind of like, you know, like uh, redistributed their assets and whatever. So mm. when I heard that Scotty Pippen detail, I, it was kind of like the light bulb where I was like, right, 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 right. Because we got here because of basketball. Like, yeah. we, we, we landed on Boku because of the Knicks, and yeah. and and because of a basketball podcast called Swish FM, Richard was at the Knicks game, and there were these ba- and there were these fruit juice commercials, and like, well, Richard was at the game, which landed us on the I love this game commercials, which landed us right. on the Boku fruit juice commercials. Because I was going to say, I, we I don't think as we watched the the '94 Knicks playoff games, the Boku commercials themselves never appeared in any no. of the games. No, no but no. the Richard Lewis "I Love This Game" commercial did, which prompted me to it dig up the Boku commercials. A to B to C. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I realized A being basketball, B being you know the "I Love This Game" commercials, C being Boku fruit juice. Yeah. And so I spent this entire article in C, and when Scottie Pippen was mentioned, I was like, right. I, I need to get Let's us get back, back to the source. I need to get us back to A, yeah. which is the Knicks and basketball, which is like how we wound up here to begin with. Amazing. And and it was actually just a really wonderful gift, I have to say, like having the uh the you know, ignorance is bliss, like not understanding that just saying to the editors, like, I'm not done. I need more time. Like this is not keep the money. I don't it's 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 not a <laughs> I don't care about the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at this point it's much bigger than money for me. Um it's it's just doing the piece justice and all the people yeah. involved doing doing everyone justice. So I'm so glad I took the extra time because I wound up having this epiphany which was like, right, basketball. Like mm-hmm. uh Scotty Pippen ultimately was the nail in the coffin in some ways for Boku Fruit Juice. And can't believe Scottie Pippen killed Boku. I was like, I'm not letting the Chicago Bulls go out on top here. Like, that's just not <laughs> how this story is going to end. And um, and so I actually wound up rewriting the end of the piece, uh, which was sort of reflected on Richard and his Nick fandom and our experience with the Knicks. And I mean, it's nothing short of of emotional. Honestly, the ending of this piece is it. It really it's it's like it's stirring. It's like stirring stuff. Um, yeah, man. I mean, um, you know what I realized was like I think I said to you, in after the piece came out, I I, I spent probably forty eight hours after the piece came out, just sort of like they they should have given me IVs because I. I hadn't been eating much. I was really like literally just like subsisting on coffee. Well, the night before the piece dropped, uh, you and I and the aforementioned Brendan Shields uh, got together for a little movie night over Zoom. Yeah. Uh, Of course, the movie that we watched was the 1991 Jean-Claude Van Damme classic, Double Impact. 
Um, and you did something which I don't think I've ever seen you do um, in my life, which is fall asleep. I don't think I've ever seen you sleep um, in, in you know in person or yeah. or over a, uh, a video conference call. Um, and yeah, you didn't make it through the movie. You didn't make it through a an incredibly uh, action packed, thrilling. Yeah. Um, you know, blockbuster with not one but two uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's in it. And you were so spent physically, emotionally, and mentally drained um, from this process that you did not make it through the end of Double Impact. I finished the piece about half an hour before we hopped on that Zoom. And Which I didn't even know. I had no idea that, like, what I was... I couldn't talk I to didn't, anyone I, about it, man. Like, I, 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 <laughs> I, I couldn't talk to anyone with any sort of like it just became basically like this deep dark secret you know like that i was working on this thing and um i even even richard's publicist started emailing me he was like when 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 will the piece come and i was oh, like oh god i can't i can't talk to you right now man like uh. <laughs> like like literally no one is feeling more pressure right now than me oh like, god no one no one feels the pressure of me and it was again the same analogy of just like standing at the top of the key just waving everyone off clearing out just pounding out the rock and going game seven of the nba finals and um yeah man so i was just mentally and spiritually like exhausted and um it was just yeah dude I, i i realized that like those commercials in a weird way it's like you know, it's funny, we we decided to watch the Knicks playoff run during the COVID quarantine um, as like a distraction. And what mm-hmm. I realized about those commercials, I think I said to you at some point after the piece came out, was like, actually it was the commercials that in a way like distracted us from the Knicks. Like we were using the <laughs> yeah. Knicks. We were using the Knicks as like a distraction from real world from from like the 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 depression of like real life COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. And in actuality what happened was we used the Richard Lewis commercials to distract our, ourselves from the pain of rewatching the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, honestly, my my fondest memories of watching all those games and and recording all those episodes was the, the games with the commercials. Yeah. Once we lost commercials, um yeah for the finals it just it, it felt like like ra- like grueling labor like I'll it be just honest, it, like did, the, it wasn't the, the the small victories of the piece are plugging the glant um plugging oh billy plugging billy zane and and the mention of zippin with pippin um those I couldn't believe like such the, victories the lead yeah the lead of the piece you mentioned first of all you mentioned our podcast or you linked to our podcast in the very first paragraph which is like again not anything that sh- is ever allowed Would for like a, a, a journalist to do yeah. um and then in the second paragraph before even ta- like describing like what w- what we're doing here in this article you link to the all-new Mitsubishi Galant <laughs> set to a jazz cover of My Favorite Things and a sultry, bordering on risque spot seemingly voiced by Billy Zane for Acura in parentheses, quote, some things are worth the price. Um, I mean, honestly, when I, I was reading these words, like my eyes started blurring because I was just like, this is this can't be real. Like, what is happening? Yeah, and I'm just glad that I was able to take my time. That was sort of like one of the gifts of the piece was just uh, not being on a deadline. Like, 
you know, I, I said to you at some point, like what you do is so time sensitive. Like it seems like a lot of the video content that you create uh, about President Trump is like very topical. So like you need to create a video based on something he said this afternoon so people can mm-hmm. like see it and laugh at it like later today. Where yeah. something sometimes, like, sometimes, sometimes, right. Yeah. Versus something like this, which is like no one is there's, there's no deadline, you know, like, so it's, yeah. it's really just about creating like the piece and, and creating like the full, you know, three dimensional thing. So it was a gift. It's what we call, uh, it's what we call evergreen content in yeah. the biz. Yeah. 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 I'm learning about this. Now, it's, now, it's all- now that you're a member of the media, I can yeah. tell you all about this lingo and slang yep. that we all use. Yep. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's sort of like a, like a secret language, you know? Can't wait, man. Yeah. It's great yeah, to be yeah. here. The fourth estate. Um, is that what you said? The fourth estate. And the fourth estate, yep. Um, yeah, there's lots of really cool nicknames that we have. Everyone loves us, by the way. You're probably going to get a lot more uh, like friends. Um, oh, great. And yeah, you'll, you'll just be like more popular in general. People will think you're a lot cooler. Great. Now that you are uh, a uh, journalist, yeah. Uh, great, member of the media. Well, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. This, was, uh, this was super fun, as always. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see what the epi- next episode is for us. I'm sure it will be uh, interesting. And um, thanks for allowing me to talk about all this stuff. And, uh, you know, thanks for all the, the hard work you did in uh, making the Boku thing happen. And, uh, yeah, man. I mean, you did 99% of the work. And I just want to thank you for truly doing it justice, doing doing our, our, our little baby, our creation justice, um, you know, doing Richard proud, doing me proud, doing your girlfriend pe- yeah. proud. Um, it really was like... Uh, it, it felt quasi-religious to to read that article and and be like, ah, wow, like this is this is exactly what it should be. It was, yeah, it felt really really magical and amazing and not totally real. Uh, and I don't think it'll ever really feel real. Honestly, man, um, like like I said to you when you joined the podcast full time, I was I was like, you were always my dream guest like you which is another way of saying like you were always the person that i would want to impress like if if (laughs) if someone was like if you could create a podcast the like if if i knew ben craw listened to this podcast and thought it was good then i would feel like accomplished and i felt like the same way about the the richard piece where it was like i could care less if people think it's good or dumb or stupid, the only people I'm trying to impress are basically you, Brendan, Kelly, Richard, you know, and, and that's it. And like, if, if, yeah. I, if I could make those people feel like honored and happy, I could care less about like whether the internet thought it was like good or bad or dumb or stupid or irrelevant. So, um, right. you know, it meant a lot to be able to work on it, but it, I was just glad to feel like I did us justice. So, yes, smash success, my friend. Thank you. All the congratulations. Thanks, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, what can I say? It was perfect. Um, anything, anything planned? Like now, now that you're a journalist, do you have any, any, uh, any new stories in the works? Anything cooking? Any little ideas percolating? Uh, 
I'm just kicking some stuff around, man. We'll see. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. Don't want to. Don't want to tip any any uh, any competitors. Yeah. I get that. Of yeah. course. You know. Yeah. We'll see. Now that you're on the scene, you're gonna have a lot. The other thing about being a journalist is it's very competitive, very very cutthroat. Um, yep. You've probably heard that extremely cutthroat industry. Yeah. You're gonna be. Uh, you know. Now now that you're after your big debut splash, you know yeah. you're gonna have a little bit of a target on your back, my friend. Sure. Um, hate hate to say it, but people. Now know your name. Oh, they man. know uh, where to find you, and um, yeah, I think guns are uh, are going to be coming out for you. So, <sighs> jeez, uh, best of best of luck with all that navigating all that drama in this country. You know, the, the thing about being a journalist, yeah, is uh, you know half of it is is writing the articles, and the other half is the behind the scenes politics, the interpersonal melodrama. It's it's a lot like uh, the newsroom. I was just gonna um, say, man, I was thinking that I would sit down and finally watch the newsroom. Yeah. Oh, you, I mean, listen, now that you understand what this world is about, that show is going to speak to you on a very, very deep level. Okay. You'll probably identify a lot with Jeff Daniels, okay. uh, Jeff Newsroom. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, you know, I don't need to tell any of our listeners, probably the best show ever made. Uh, so uh, I'm excited for you to watch that and to feel uh, all the, the, the full resonance uh, of it. Excited to dive in, man. Uh, always fun talking with you and uh, until next week Ben a pleasure as always as you like to say wait I thought that was my line and then or is that now your line and no, then that's I have your line. line yeah no I have okay. your line so uh, Ben until so. next week yes Chris a pleasure as always my friend the pleasure is all mine you can listen to Switch, Switch. 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 Switch.